Radioland, huh? The infinite turtle, the, the waves through the ether fuzz roll on forever. This is Death by DVD, and you are listening to Harry Scott Sullivan, your host. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. And on this episode, we are discussing a movie called August Underground. A movie that some people would largely say isn't even a movie at all. Am I one of those people? I guess you'll just have to listen and find out. But that raises the question... Of what is a movie? Well, it's a noun. One, a series of pictures projected on a screen in rapid succession with objects shown in successive positions slightly changed so as to produce the optical effect of a continuous picture in which the objects move. Two, a representation as of a story by means of motion picture or a movie. Which is interesting to note that second definition because August Underground is something that is often accused of not having a story or a plot, and we'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. But to start things off, let's just talk about what August Underground is. There are no real lines in the sand with this movie. You've either heard about it and fear it and refuse to see it. You've seen it and absolutely hate it. You've seen it and absolutely love it, or you have no idea what August Underground is. And briefly, let's take a point to talk from the perspective that you don't know what August Underground is. And we'll do a brief history, we'll try and keep it brief, of August Underground. And then I can share my feelings, because that's what we're all here for, right? 2001, August Underground, written by the mysterious Alan Peters and Fred Vogel, directed by Fred Vogel, starring Fred Vogel. More often than not, you will hear this movie discussed as or referred to as a pseudo-snuff film or a fake snuff film. I believe I've even been guilty of using that terminology to refer to this movie, but it's much more than that. You often also hear it called a found footage movie, a horror movie. Constant genres will be thrown at this, and none of them seem to really stick. And I personally have a problem trying to box this into a specific genre, but I think I've already said it once already. We'll get more into that in just a little while. August Underground came out about a year, a year and a half after the Blair Witch Project, which greatly changed the face of modern horror and what we know modern horror to be right now, and boomed a new era of a genre that prior to the Blair Witch Project, and this isn't a point of the show, so I'm not going to digress and go deeper into it, did exist, but was never truly capitalized on as it was with that singular film. And since then, there is uh, thousands, thousands and thousands of them. Some of them are very good. Some of them are very bad. But in that same time period, The Blair Witch came out, and many of you may remember it. I don't want to exclude our audience that might be a little bit younger. I was around for that time period. It was revolutionary. It really changed 
how you even considered thinking about horror movies. And there is a movie called Cannibal Holocaust by a beautiful, beautiful person named Reguero Diodato, and I'm sure I'm going to reference it more and more and more as the show continues that does have the quality and the ideas of a found footage movie. And uh, it's not a point of contention or anything that I want to get into, but I'm, I'm painting you a fucking picture of this era. And if you weren't there and you had no idea of, of, of horror in the, the 90s to the 2000s, it was awful. And horror has always been a genre that specifically was capitalized upon. It's its only point of being is horror movies can make money or you make a horror movie to make money to make your real quote-unquote movie. It's treated the same way as, as artists used to treat porn in the 70s. Wes Craven, Abel Ferrara, all these guys shot porn before they made their quote-unquote real movies, which for both of their sakes you have Last House on the Left and then you've got Driller Killer from a Ferrara. <laughs> they both made porn, then horror, and on and on and so forth. And also, in that same time period, somebody who is constantly left out in the discussions of these masters and maestros is a man named Roger Watkins, who began, did most of his career in porn, but he made one incredibly significant movie that I'll also reference a great deal, probably coming up here in just a few minutes. But post-Scream, the horror world was, was pretty terrible. We had a lot of direct-to-video sequels, like that Children of the Corn 666 Isaac's Return. A lot of trash, though. No insult to Dimension X or whatever the fuck that was called, or, or the era itself, because, hey, you're entitled to like those movies, and that's fine. But there wasn't anything that, that pushed. There wasn't anything that defined the idea of fear. And then Blair Witch came out, and that movie changed a lot for people. And I don't have anything to say about the Blair Witch Project on this episode. It, it's just the mark of 1999, and this is what's happening. 2001, this movie, August Underground, was shot mostly in the year 2000. The filmmakers were aware of Blair Witch. They were aware of, of films like 8mm. And in that wave of Blair Witch's release and that, that, that fear generated by, my God, did this really happen? Is this real? This film that you could say is a lost gem, some people would call it an absolute turd, and then there are the people that are completely not knowing of what this is. But since its release in 2001, the legacy surrounding this movie has been non-stop it's been referred to as the most violent movie you've never seen. Credit to the great Art Ettinger of Ultraviolet Magazine for that. And the reputation of this movie, and this is something that is a constant when it comes to horror and exploitation, you, you build up these reputations. You hear about these movies. I always go to the Finlay Films snuff. You hear about it, and it's the worst movie in the pl on the planet. You know, it's raw. You're not going to believe some of the stuff that happens in this movie. And it is so tremendously boring. Nothing happens. It's poorly shot. It's acquired footage. And then there's the slapped-on ending. In those last few minutes of the movie, you're shocked completely by it. August Underground is, is a similarity in the sense that you get this build-up, and you hear about it from people, and you read about it, and it, it's a legacy sort of thing. I don't know if I can watch a movie like that. I've heard a lot of things about this movie. But the hype is actually all there. 
you sit down and you watch snuff and you're really, really annoyed by the entire experience. You sit down and you watch something like August Underground. The experience itself has, I dare say, changed you a little bit. And I guess this comes to the point of the episode where I get to share my feelings on August Underground for good or bad. And we come back to the statement I made at the beginning that there are people that would question if this is a movie. Does this have a plot? Does this have a story? And now we'll unveil my position on all of this. But I'd like to state it here. I'd like to try and do this episode from the middle of the road. When you're in the middle of the road, you can see the curve and you can see what's coming. But if you're on either side too far in, you're not going to be able to see anything or understand anything or formulate your own opinions and ideas. The middle of the road sounds scary, but sometimes it's a really good place to be. And that's where I'd like to try and do this episode from the middle of the road. But is August Underground a movie? Yes, absolutely. Does August Underground have a story? Yeah. And it does have a plot. And these are two things that, for the last 20-some years, are brought up consistently when it comes to the movie. And I, it's, it's not a matter of whether I like it or not. It's a matter of evaluation. And it's a matter of what is on screen and available. And I can really understand from first glance watching this movie, it being so incredibly upsetting, so vicious, so uh, it's, it's, it's predatory. The film truly is predatory. It seems like as you're watching it, 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 it keeps attacking you. Like it's wearing you out and then attacking you. It just It's the Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope beating you senseless and then invading your space so there's nothing else that you can do but fall to the ground completely knocked out. I would say everything you've heard about this movie, all the rumors, all that's the most offensive thing you've seen, it, it must be close to it. And the invocation of emotion that has come with this movie over the last 20 years is, is one of the most miraculous and beautiful things, I think, that could surround it. The myths, the mystery, whatever you want to call it, you know that Blair Witch didn't happen. There is a sequel, and then a sequel to the sequel, and now there's like a soft reboot sequel, and video games and toys, and they're just going to keep making it. But August Underground has this semblance of a reality that was never broken. Even though you can find videos of the director, Fred Vogel, you can see that it wasn't real. No matter what, this first film, it, it retained something that even Cannibal Holocaust, I don't think, actually manages to grasp, and that is utter reality. Now, don't get me wrong, Cannibal Holocaust is a fine film. It's one of my favorite films. I love Ruggiero Diodato. The politics of Cannibal Holocaust is one of the reasons I, I love that movie so dearly. The movie has an overwhelming statement, and it's made constantly and consistently throughout the film, but it's very much a movie. No matter how much you can say elements from that film were the very first found footage movie, sure, I can give that to you, but there's a soundtrack. There is a score to this movie. There is a rhythm. There is a whole point of what you're seeing on screen that develops through the plot and story that, uh, you know, beginning, middle, and an end, the traditional aspects of what makes a story, what makes a plot. All of that is available, so you have a, a feeling of comfort knowing, well, I can turn this off at any time. This is a movie, and that's all that I'm watching. 
as to where August Underground has no feeling of safety. There is no net. There is no comfort. There is no guidelines where you can live through another character. What you witness on screen is severe. It's real. And, of course, it's not real. It's the absolute magic of filmmaking. So what is this movie about? Well... According to IMDb, two serial killers go on a murdering rampage as one films the outcome from behind a video camera. And that, that's fairly apt. That's what happens in the movie. You're witnessing atrocity after atrocity. And the unique aspect of this is it's not so much like a snuff tape. I mentioned at the beginning of this that I am guilty of calling August Underground pseudo-snuff, faux-snuff. Yeah. You can't really do something like that, because it's not produced for anybody else. The guise of this movie, the power behind this movie, is that it's just a tape. You don't know if it's a tape in a series of other tapes that lead to something else. It's just this. There is no beginning, there is no middle, there is no end, but there is certainly a plot and a story. And not all plots and stories are told in the figurative, normal, quote-unquote, manner that we recognize. It's not all John Steinbeck and Hemingway. There's a little bit more to it. The idea of storytelling even through that stupid fucking game that everybody plays at parties, charades, that's a form of storytelling. And by no means is August Underground a form of charades, but when you watch from that very first scene to the last scene, a story that is is absolutely wrought in decadence and violence is presented to you. And it's it's similar in uh, aspects to something like the Marquis de Sade. You look at the 120 Days of Sodomy, this vile book that details some of the most heinous escapades put onto paper, a book that ensured the writer never got out of an asylum. Quite possibly the written word and ramblings of an absolutely unstable, insane, crazy man. August Underground has an invocation of this dread, this absolute fear that is instowed upon you by just viewing it and watching it, and that is a power to its own. That that is that is a remark upon the filmmakers and and the art committed to the act of making this movie. There is a tremendous sense of dread that is taken in by by just viewing this film. You sincerely feel like you have done something wrong by stumbling across this. You watch it, and even in the first few minutes, you, you really feel like, should I be watching this? This doesn't seem right. It doesn't matter that you can find interviews and videos with the filmmakers. There is this absolute horror that washes upon you, and for me, it makes it rather hard to discern what genre if it matters, I could call something like August Underground because the feeling that, that wipes over you, and it's very, very present in this first film. There are two sequels to this movie, and maybe someday we'll come back and we'll talk about those two, but specifically this one has such a, a captured realism that you can't disregard what goes into it. And you have this often brought up debate with film critics of, of what is art, what isn't art. And I never once felt or will feel my entire life I have a position to say something is or is not art. But there is a thin line between art and pornography. And that's also not saying that pornography isn't an art. But still, there's a difference between the two. And there are many, many... What's the word I want to use? Peers, perhaps? 
to someone like Fred Vogel in this underground world of cinema who don't tread that line, who make fetishistic pieces that rely only on shock, only on violence for the sake of violence. And that subject is where we really start getting off into things. Violence for the sake of violence. I bring it up all the time on the show. It's something I have a great deal of disdain for, and I don't quite understand the purpose of movies that are just mean-spirited and ugly and violent. Well, that's mostly what August Underground is accused of being. Filmmaker Fred Vogel himself has brought up many times that he wanted to make a nihilistic movie, something that showed uh, an anti-serial killer aspect that would really shock and bother you. Now, all of those things are true, but nihilism itself, such a fully loaded word, and it can have a lot of negative impact. Sure, this movie is, is fucking nihilistic, but it offers a little bit more insight than just negativity and just the concept of nihilism. What this movie rides on is, in fact, it, the emotion that is invoked by you watching it. And it doesn't matter if it's a feeling of disgust, it's a feeling of rage, it's a feeling of shock or offense. What you're witnessing at its base is, is almost ballet-style choreographed art. The choreography, in fact, that goes into what made this film is what makes it completely terrifying, and I really like calling it a ballet. I mean, this is a, is a, a ballet of obscenity. A ballet of violence, and it crashes with this crescendo of of dread. No matter what, it, it's days after watching the movie, you have this reflection in your mind of absolute sheer and utter terror, and it's presented to you with, as many people say, no story, no plot. So what did I mean by that? I said, this movie definitely has a story, and it definitely has a plot. But the way these things are exposed to you, it's not some backwriting that years later has been added in as you watch the film you you have to take into this consideration that this wasn't supposed to be something that you could buy in the universe that this film exists in this movie was made by sadistic individuals that were going to watch it for their pleasure it wasn't for someone else it wasn't for tape trading it was something specifically made for that endurance of pain to come back, this beautiful feeling to flow through them when they're bored or snowed in. And that itself makes it even more terrifying. And I'm talking about emotion and what what matters to me, I guess. That should be a, a big point here that I state. It's what matters to me when you're making a film, that it needs to have some sort of power. And August Underground, I think, takes the audience and holds a power over them. I can't think of any other movie that almost demands something from you, and whatever your feeling is at the end of this movie, you have, you have felt something. I don't think that you could say from, from point A to point B watching, I think it's 70 minutes of this tape, of this idea of this tape, that you could walk away and go, well, that was boring. Anything but. But let's hold on for a second because I just realized there is a movie that comes to mind that also takes the audience and holds a power over them. It's Roger Watkins' House on Dead End Street or Last House on Dead End Street. I mentioned Roger earlier and I can say certainly his film is an influence on August Underground. But what Roger did was make a movie about a man being released from prison who begins to make snuff films. 
films that feature vicious murder and torture for retail. And what that movie does is force you into this sick and twisted world. It forces pain onto you, but the perspective is from the quote-unquote bad guy played by Roger himself. We follow him through this sordid world, and it's not like you're rooting for him, but he is all you know and all you're allowed to know. You're surrounded by all this emotion and chaos. It's an opera of suffering. As I say, August Underground is a ballet of brutality. Roger Watkins' film truly is operatic, finishing with a wonderful crescendo of pain. But the point, and why I'm saying this, is the power of the emotion. Dead End Street is filled with an intense and loud soundtrack. It's got, like Cannibal Holocaust, a reality that allows you to know it's only a movie. It's not real. I think Fred Vogel managed to take the power of that emotion, the suffering and chaos captured in Watkins' film, and he weaponized it for his story. He drives the story with the emotion. The story that's being told is a story of absolute pain and suffering, and it's, dare I say, slightly political. And what I mean by that isn't a side of politics, but you never know anyone. You don't know your neighbors. You don't know the people that live two streets behind you. Some of your cousins, do you even really know them? Any person out there could be the characters that are in this movie. And let's just fucking talk about the movie. What do we see in it? The entire film, we follow this giant guy who is a murderous sociopath. He is a, a, a sexual sadist. And we ascertain all of this information from the heinous acts that are committed on film. Off screen, we have a cameraman who is capturing these moments of pain, but it's not like some Martin Scorsese art piece. It's more like your dad filming on Christmas morning with a camera. You know, hey, hey, make sure to smile, hold up the present. There is a sense of jocularity and uh, fun, a happiness to the whole thing. We're going to look back on these tapes, and we're going to have a great time watching them. We're going to remember that summer, and it's going to be a great time. And the fear, I think, really is, is almost captured in this character. The character is played by a mysterious man named Alan Peters, and, of course, a movie like August Underground would have some mystery to it, but it's not very sincere. It's not like he disappeared or Reguero Diodato, Cannibal Holocaust. He was arrested for that film because he paid the actors to fuck off for a little while after the release. And internationally, it kind of seemed like he killed his actors in the film. So he was investigated for it, arrested for it. Not as fun of a story here. Alan Peters helped create this film. He helped push the direction and motivate Fred and they worked together to make this monstrosity and did not uh, want to be known by the world for his his credit for this. So he is Alan Peters and that's that. But when you look at that, it adds such a duality and beautiful mystery to what you end up watching. And here for me is what I think is the capturing moments of fear for this movie. It's the fact that you're watching this guy film everything. And I've always wondered who was in charge, who who was running this. And you've got this mountain of a man, which is Fred Vogel. He's like six foot seventeen inches tall, a massive, intimidating form. And he's on screen the entire time. He's committing these atrocities and someone is directing 
It's almost like Cecil B. Demented, the John Waters movie, this broken, strange piece of cinema art that somebody has been creating and making together through all of these tapes. We don't know the point. We don't know the directive of what Alan Peters' character is doing, and that has always terrified me that somebody is so nonchalant, somebody is so okay with filming all of these things. So what do they do? There's so much in this universe we don't see on screen, and it builds an anticipatory fear of what's going to happen next. Throughout the film, we're allowed these very short glimpses that Alan has captured on film, and we look into this just world of chaos, but we see nothing else. There's no video of these guys playing Nintendo or smoking weed or anything normal. All of these moments lead up to just absolute, vicious, beautiful scenes of pain. And what the fuck do I mean by beautiful? Let's talk about how this movie was shot before I talk about what I mean by beautiful. August Underground, I believe, could be wrong, I believe, was shot on a Canon XL1, which at the time in 2001 was a pretty expensive camera. And honestly, to this day, I think they're still running like $300, $400. It was a digital video camera. And this movie was shot on that and then run through tape after tape after tape. So it's transferred from video onto tape and uh, degraded and way before you that you could just like purchase a program to do all of this. They hand degraded everything, which gives it this anonymous feeling, even the face of the victims. You don't really get a clear shot of. There's this almost halo fuzz that surrounds everyone and you're lost. You're struggling to really look at, at, at the film. And of course, when I first saw this movie, I, I hate, well, when I first saw this movie segments and shows, because who the fuck cares? Nobody cares about the first time you saw the movie, but <laughs> we'll, we'll keep this one short. When I first saw this movie, I saw a bootleg of this movie eight, maybe nine years after it came out. I think eight. I think it was 2008 when I first saw August Underground, and it wasn't on the world's greatest high-definition TV. Now, in 2023, when this episode is being recorded, technology has greatly changed, and I watched the Blu-ray of this film, released by Unearthed Films. We'll talk more about them at the end of the show on a 65-inch 4K television. And I, I had this just moment of almost shock as I got maybe eight, nine minutes into the film that I, I just was taken aback, really, that that feeling from the first time when I saw it, how dirty and wrong it felt, was still present. I was speaking about the era when this film came out and things like Blair Witch, but in the early 2000s, you had websites like Augrish, SteakandCheese.com, and Rotten.com that were predecessors to something like Live Links, where you could watch, or Surfing the Dark Web, rather, where you could watch uh, atrocities, gore, beheadings from Myanmar. The war in Iraq had just started, so you could get all sorts of Taliban beheading videos. Just... Uh, true, brutal atrocities that in just seconds of your mouse click you could be exposed to. And this film, at the same time, is released. Clips from the movie are being surfaced on places like Augrish, SteakandCheese.com, where people have found August Underground. And it has shocked them so much that even before the heavy era of piracy and being able to seed and download movies through something like the Pirate Bay, this was being pushed. This is real. This is extreme. 
That's the art behind this film. Some of the things that are shown on screen are, are reprehensible. They are incredibly disturbing. They're mind-numbingly sick. It's a, it's, it's a violent film is a cop-out to call something like August Underground. It's beyond violent. But the way all of this is shown to you, and the breakdown, where I guess we're getting personal here, is genius. It, it's just absolute genius art that is masked as, as this decadent dance with violence. It's sinfully disgusting. It's painful and sociopathic and twisted. You really witness unhinged sexual deviance and violence in this film, and there isn't really a gauge on what's the worst atrocity committed. They're all fucking bad. Everything that you witness on screen in this movie, it's so awful, it's terrible. You really could start wondering about the people that made this movie, if not for how the movie was made. Because the genius lays there. You know that the person that made this had a greater scheme to things. And it's also why I like to refer to it as a ballet, because this movie was practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. Art Ettinger, head editor, genius, and all-around awesome guy has said many times before, before on the subject of this film. The takes are insane. There are some scenes that are like 12, 11 minutes long, maybe even longer, but the things that are contained within those scenes are so fucking vicious that you are broken with this reality. Now we go back to the Alan Peters character who is this real guy, but for all intents and purposes of what we're talking about is a character in the movie filming this. Somebody is tagging along filming all of this and you get into these scenes the first scene of the movie for example we are introduced to a woman that is being tortured in a basement of a barn it looks like and these two people are just hanging out on a friday night they're just kind of two buddies you could imagine that they might be watching wrestling or smoking some weed or something whatever you and your friends do on an average get together but instead, these people are just as joyous and congenial and happy, mutilating and torturing and forcing this woman to eat fecal matter and uh, rubbing her deceased boyfriend's penis, that's obviously been cut off, in her face. First fucking scene of the movie. First things we're getting into. And maybe when you're shocked and all of this is in your face and it's first presented to you, you don't think. You don't look at how it how it was put together. You're sitting through this ride, and the ride is going up and down and all around, and it's it's agreeably, I can say, seemingly, there is no plot, there is no story. But under evaluation, you have to go back, and then there's that realization of, Jesus Christ, some of these scenes didn't have cuts. Some of these scenes didn't stop. And that's so fucking terrifying that this person, we never see him. We hear him laugh. We hear him egg on the other guy as he's committing these atrocities. But we never see this person who I've always felt had this unseen sickening control, this this almost godlike control because they're behind the camera. They're dictating what vicious violence is really presented to you they are the purveyor of this filth for uh, you know they're like the, the the creep from creep show and it hits you slowly as as some of these scenes drag on and on and on and there are parts of the movie where nothing is happening where they're in a car and they're just driving and they're having a conversation they're out at a farm nothing's happening they're at a roadside attraction nothing's happening and these scenes all run in this elegant, long fashion. And I think it's elegant because it leads you into the next perverse 
trap that you run through this monotonous, boring scene of 12 minutes of nothing, and then all of a sudden you're about to get hit in the face with 14 minutes of pure, uncut, absolute, degradating, horrific violence. And what is violence for the sake of violence? That's something that I bring up on a lot of episodes. One of my heroes, somebody had a great deal of respect for it, Chaz Ballin. I get most of my take from violence for the sake of violence. And Chaz Ballin, you may or may not know, he had a magazine called Deep Red. He was a purveyor of underground films, violent movies, tape trading. He was an all-around class act, grade A guy. He fucking hated this movie. And... I get a lot of my sentiment and feelings of violence for the sake of violence and movies that I think are are violent and bland and boring from Chaz Ballin and this I think really is the major only time that I've I've I, I can put my foot down and be like, Yeah, you're fucking wrong. You were wrong. And Chaz is long gone. He he's not on this earth anymore. But before he died, he he just didn't have the time of day for August Underground. He didn't have I don't I don't think he didn't have respect for Fred Vogel, but I don't think he had respect for this movie, and he chalked it up to just being inherently mean-spirited and violent, and it is inherently mean-spirited, and it is nihilistic. But I don't think the violence is for the sake of violence. I think there is a sense of dread that exudes throughout the film, and that dread transcends the violence. The creation a point of this movie, in my opinion, wasn't this vulgar display of violence. In fact, it was the collection and the stirring of emotions, and how does this make you feel as you watch it, realizing that how many serial killers really have been caught? I mean, you, st- you can statistically go to IMDB and you can look up serial killers by the number of their victims. In fact, I think it would shock you if you looked up this article because some of the victim numbers are intense into the thousands. You're familiar with people like Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy, who even Bundy himself, they believe, could have over 200 different victims. But the aspect that these people could be living next door to you, they could be living down the street from you, they're the guys that work at that restaurant you love to go to, you know nothing about them. And the anonymity behind this Alan Peters is obviously a real life thing, but in the film, it it just maximizes perfection almost because you're encapsulated in this world of violence and it feels like there's no escape. You almost feel like you're one of the victims. You can't really turn to any of the narrators on screen. You've got this person Fred Vogel's playing, this this mountain of a monster who conveniently, apparently, is named Peter Mountain, and then this unseen person, and you want to have some reality between them. You want to rely on them at the same time. Who can I trust? Who can I deal with? And both of them, you know what Fred Vogel's character is able to do. He's this hammer-wielding maniac that will rip you from your bed, rape you, ravage you, and kill everything that's important to you, not for money, but for absolute sheer pleasure because he was bored. But who the fuck is the guy behind the camera? We don't get to even have a glimpse of what motivates this person, and that motivates the movie with this sheer intense feeling of absolute dread. You don't know so much feel dirty. It's not like, ah, I feel gross watching this. You feel like you've done something wrong, and that's such a tremendous thing that a filmmaker, an artist, could do is invoke through a moving picture, you feeling this. So if you want to question the fact that August Underground is it, is it not a movie, you got to be goddamn crazy because clearly, no matter what, right or wrong, the feeling that you get 
from the first 10 minutes of this movie, it's permanent. It stains you. What other movie can do that? When this movie was produced and directed and written and released, the mass commercialization of horror had pretty much rendered the genre to nothing. Halloween sequels, direct-to-video trash, lingering around the same time period. You had Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses, which did push buttons, but you didn't have something quite like August Underground, which was entirely itself underground. You would hear whispers and rumors of it. You could get it through tape trading or buy an overly expensive bootleg from some guy you met on the internet that only played the first 45 minutes of the movie. And that forced the movie almost into legendary status because it was just so hard to see. You would hear so much about it, as I referenced with something like Snuff, and then see the movie and just the things you heard, you couldn't even imagine them on screen. You have films like Cannibal Holocaust that show absolute vicious violence and real violence is intermingled with it and you start to wonder you have this fear of what's real what isn't and with august underground that fear is present the entire time you can't tell what isn't real and some of the stuff that seems so certainly 100 percent real is just absolute cinema magic john mcnaughton made a film called henry portrait of a serial killer which obviously serves as an inspiration for august underground but there's a particular scene in that movie where henry lucas gets a video camera and him and Otis tool have been filming their exploits and we get this brief scene watching their whole movies. And the movie is completely filled with fear. And as I referenced with Cannibal Holocaust, it's driven by a soundtrack. They're, the Riz Ortolani soundtrack with Cannibal Holocaust is almost pleasant. It almost takes your mind off of all of this terror that is witnessed on screen. How awful these people are and the atrocious acts that they're committing. But with Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, you still have those four walls of a film. You can pause it. You can turn it off. You know you can get away from it. The soundtrack enters and it instills this feeling of fear. And you have none of that with August Underground. You're surrounded by silence and your thoughts. And you're constantly wondering while you're watching the movie, oh, should I be watching this? And Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer pushed boundaries because you got this almost sob story. You're, you're forced to watch this movie through the avatar of Henry Lee Lucas. So you're trying to feel something. You're trying to have some reflection for him. And you're misguided constantly throughout the film of what's true, what's not. Is he telling a real story? Is he lying to this character? All, all the while, these splashes of violence hit you. And you go back and you reflect over what these scenes meant. You have a similar fashion with what August Underground is, but there are these moments where the energy has just faded away. We've got five minutes of this goat with giant deformed balls, and then right after it, we're slapped back into this terrible, brutal world. And the story that is told throughout this film is shown in the depiction of the the immaturity and the nonchalantness of these people they're like beavis and butthead with hammers 
<laughs> Dick and fart jokes surrounded by sodomy and hammers through the skull. You can't relate, you can't find this fixture of almost hope that is added in the usual aspects of a story. Your narrator, whomever you're seeing this movie through, whomever's eyes you're seeing this movie through, you trust that that you you have a trust in them. There is no trust. There is no safety. August Underground catapults you completely into the unknown, into a void, and it's it's sickening and all the while gorgeous. It's it's such a, a funny feeling, and it's the slow realization where it creeps upon you. There are no cuts. There are there are no scenes being stopped for them to do set dressing. You watch this violence unfold, and no matter how many times you're told, Fred Vogel's just this guy. He's just a guy in Pittsburgh. He works on movies. No. It seems, in this moment, instilled on film forever, 100% absolutely real. The other films, at some point, I'd love to come back and talk about. Mortem, it's a great movie, but it lacks this just terrible sensation. And... It's no fault to that film or the following film, but August Underground, in its own, as this just piece of of misunderstood history of this of just this piece of misunderstood art, it speaks so heavily. There's moments where you're watching the Blair Witch Project and you can understand the fear. They're all yelling for Josh, and no one knows where he is. Josh, 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 you, Josh, you. that's your motive. Josh. Josh! 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 Tell me where you are, Josh! 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 And it just cuts. You're taken away from this world. And when you go black with something like August Underground, you almost know that it's going to come back with something twice as awful as what you had just seen. You start to realize a pattern while you go through the movie, and you realize that you can't trust what's going to happen, and no matter what, something terrible is going to happen. And this series of unfortunate events continues. They travel, they go around, they leave their location, they go somewhere else, and they leave behind them this trail of sadness and sorrow and brutality. And it's so nonchalantly captured. I mean, it really feels like a fun, happy video. Just imagine that you were at a a thrift store and you found a camera that still had a tape in it. It doesn't matter where it began and it doesn't matter where it ended, but the story that's told is presently true and there is a plot to follow as you're going through it. It's just up to you as the viewer to decode, I guess, to to translate what this violence means, and that realization for me is, is crucial because it's so haunting. It's such a frightening fact that these weren't made for people to see. These were made for enjoyment. This is a, a tape that you have somehow stumbled upon exposing your neighbor, your mailman, the guy at the grocery store that you always have a conversation with, the bag boy. I feel like I've been chasing my own tail a little bit on this episode, and I've said the same thing differently a couple of times. 
And what I've avoided doing, or tried to at least, is I don't want to compare August Underground or Fred Vogel or Toe Tag to other entities and, and contemporaries that have made similar films. I especially don't want to name drop or insult anyone else and contemporaries that have made similar films. But what I've especially tried to not do is compare it to other films. And as we get closer to the end of this episode, maybe I should compare it to some other films. And I have brought up Cannibal Holocaust by Ruggiero Diodato and John McNaughton's Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And those are two films I, I have a great deal of respect for. Um, Cannibal Holocaust more than, than anything. I'm, I'm enamored with that movie. And a lot of what captures me and, and I'm reflective of with Cannibal Holocaust is the feeling that that movie brings out in me. It's a very ugly film. It's a very painful and ugly message. And we're often misled with, with film and entertainment in general that stories have to be good or positive. Is there any positivity in August Underground? I don't think so. I don't think there's some light at the end of the rainbow wonderful message, but you don't always need something like that. And and here I'm going to get on my fucking high horse. <laughs> this movie, August Underground, has a Brissonian quality to it. And not Often can you say modern filmmakers can even get near the level of maybe not nihilism but hopelessness that Robert Brisson could do with his films if anyone, the only person that has done anything of, of impact is somebody like Paul Schrader who is like the fucking Robert Brisson of, of our era. <laughs> but Fred Vogel, with this film and the other ones, I do feel there's a presence of it, but with this film especially, there is such a fucking loneliness. There is an intrepid, broken loneliness to who these characters are and, and what they stand for. They obviously can't relate to other people. They're fucking sexual deviants. Who knows how they found each other? But they are committing these awful acts in almost this hope that they're going to get something. It's not almost a hope that they're going to get something out of it. They're going to get some dopamine. They're going to feel better about it. They're capturing these moments that mean nothing to them. They're killing and raping and savagely abusing people, and that means nothing to them. What means more is capturing it on film for their own entertainment, and that is such fucking balls as a filmmaker to try and get that point of view from what people often would say is a fake pseudo snuff movie but goddamn that is such an incorrect statement it's it's more than the idea and art ettinger who are mentioning just as much as cannibal holocaust but you know what he's just as legendary he has pointed out many times that snuff specifically is made, the idea of a snuff tape is something that is made to capitalize upon. This is so much more terrifying because nobody was supposed to see it but these people who don't even remember what they're doing. In 1983, Robert Brisson made a film named Argent, and it's this devious, devastating story of this guy who didn't commit the crime he was accused of but becomes a part of the prison system and is hardened and his life is, is absolutely ruined. He, he, he loses his wife. He loses his daughter. He becomes a member of the system. And eventually he gets out of prison, spoilers, and commits an awful, awful, awful murder. And it seems so senseless. It seems 
completely emotionless, and that's sort of the key to what makes Personian films is everything is depicted through this non-feeling of emotion. Paul Schrader made in 2017 a film called First Reformed, and it's it's a a very Brissonian film in the essence of what I'm trying to discuss, that no emotion is shown on screen through these characters, and, and you're just watching the story unfold, and you yourself, you, you, you can't do anything but feel pity, feel pain, feel uh, hate as you're going through some of the things that you are shown and almost beaten with when you're watching this movie, First Reformed. And the same thing, that same feeling, you have this masterful work from Paul Schrader that comes from this Brissonian idea of this non-emotional filmmaking, but yet you can go back to 2001 and you look at August Underground and you can find more reviews of people. There's no plot. There's no story. It's violence for the sake of violence. Chaz Ballon championed. It's just violent. There's no point for this movie. And there is and the point and the the fear is that it's within every single one of us it's within the people next door to you that chained dog down the street that you walk past and worry about it breaking away all of that this intrepid feeling of woe and every day as an american you can wake up and and read politics and look at the news and you have all of these ways in your entire life to feel afraid and it's not new. It's not the current regime or the old regime. It's just the American way. It is a constant sense of fucking doom. And it's so beautifully captured with August Underground. I think, really, <laughs> you know, you could say it is an incredibly American movie, but in the same way that Cannibal Holocaust is an American movie, made by Italians with an Italian cast, but the message and the point of that movie is the inherent violent nature of uh, us, the U.S., the United States of America. And that sentiment even, uh, you could look at something like uh, William Hellfire and Joey Smack's picture, Duck. The Carbine High Massacre came out in 1999, still pretty relevant with the era that August Underground came out at. This movie, Duck the Carbine High Massacre, it's not a fucking parody. It's nothing to even take lightly. It's it's such a... It's, it's treated almost as if it's a vapid piece of art that was exploiting... Columbine, and of course it was, but if anything, it was exploiting the news and the, the coverage and the exploitation the news was covering at the time, and it was a truly American piece of cinema. August Underground is incredibly invocative of the same thing, because what is more American than unholstered, pure, hateful fucking violence? And I'm not talking about whatever war is going on this week, I'm just saying history-wise. It's violence, 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 and violence, and what do we love? Everyone loves these miniseries and reading about Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and what made them do it, but what's the one goddamn thing that you really want to know about? You don't want to know about how he was when he was seven years old. You want to know about how he cut that guy up and put him in his fridge and then kept part of the body in his bathtub for six weeks. And that's what August Underground is. You don't have these moments of softness. You don't have this mask of sanity like American Psycho. We don't get to see them go to work and pretend to be people. It is those brief moments of fear that you experience when you watch something like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and realize they're making these tapes for fun. This is just fun for them. This is nothing more than sport, and that is scary. 
The thing that makes August Underground different from the other films, and the other films I even mean underground other films, but the other August Underground films, is this pristine nature of how things are presented to you in such utter stark realism you have to have an appreciation for the artist behind that because it truly is genius. The planning, sure, is one thing, but some of the stuff that you're witnessing and you're seeing on screen and how long these scenes are running for, it just forces you into a reality that whether you like it or not, it's real. The movie ends abruptly and it just goes to black. Moments after seeing stuff that you almost need to rewind, that you just can't believe that you've seen it, he couldn't possibly be doing that. How could they be possibly be doing that? And it leaves me with an utter feeling of disgust, but not because of what I just watched, because of how it just ended. This is just one of hundreds of tapes, probably. Thousands. Who knows? It just fucking stops because it's not the end of the story and we never saw the beginning of the story. It's this transition from where the story begins, who knows, and it ends, we don't know. We've gotten this piece that allows us to formulate and understand what's going on well enough to fucking know that this was not the beginning and this is not the end and that this is something that will outlive all of us. The idea of it. These types of people that are portrayed in this movie, they're really real, and they're really out there doing stuff like this, and there's nothing that apparently can be done to stop them. You have this real, and I'm gonna maybe run a contest, if you can count how many times I said the word real on this episode, I'll give you a t-shirt or something, but god damn, it's vibrant. It makes you feel alive. You know, the similarities... Are, are, are present already, but this film is a bit different than the other August Underground films, and there are a great deal of similarities between the Toe Tag original crew and the formation of this kind of think tank of artists and the cinema of transgression. Nick Zed, Lydia Lunch, Richard Kern. It was a, a collective group of artists coming off the no-wave punk scene in the 1980s based out of New York, and these people were making movies that were shocking and violent to stir emotion, not for the sake of violence, not for the point of being able to make something that was violent, but for the emotion behind it. And with August Underground, Totag hadn't fully formed yet. And it formed with the second film, August Underground's Mortem. The collective consisted of Fred Vogel, Michael Todd Schneider, who many people may know better as Michael Maggot, Krusty Wiles, and the one, the only, there's not a day that goes by, don't miss him, Killjoy, the death metal pioneer and lead singer of famed cult necrophagia. And in the same sense of the cinema of transgression, you have this collective of artists that have come together with the most hardcore and potent ideas. And of course, August Underground's Mortem is its own beast that I hope to someday come back and do a whole episode about. But the real magic was August Underground. And it that that is a great word to use as I'm trying to wrap things up here. It is magic because what you see on screen has been often replicated. There's a lot of people out there that are still trying to this day to do something like that. And there's a lot of people out there that just don't understand what the power was that made August Underground, and it, it really, and it's just purity, 
it it it's the pure aspect of true unholstered filmmaking and the passion to force your audience to feel something. You can leave that as an option. You can try and derive things from the plot and the story and push people to feel a certain thing, but August Underground doesn't push. It doesn't ask. It fucking forces you to feel something, and that is remarkable. There are just some shots in this movie that I, I, I don't understand. They run on for so long. I mean, you look at some big, giant budget films, something like Goodfellas or Casino, where you've got real scenes of torture on these million, million, million dollar budgets, and you cut and you fade and you trick the audience. And this movie, August Underground, is filled with trickery, and it's a lot of magic, and I mean that in, like, David Copperfield. Real magic, sleight of hand, making you look at one place, not registering something going on in another place, and then, bam, it all hits you in the face. And all of it is is not compromised by anything else. It truly is pure artistry, and it's something that I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to say it the right way, but I'll say it how I feel in my head. I think the movie demands fucking respect from that alone, and if you can't see it, if you're unable to see it, it might be a fault more on you or your lack of imagination that you you can't see how fucking frightening the framing is on a movie that so many people would say it has no story, it has no plot, but I'll be goddamn, but, but that's just wrong. It's all there, and it's not like you have to reach or read for it or you have to dig for it. It's so available and frightening available to you. Charlie Manson used to say, get in the now, and August Underground is that. It's in the now. Twenty-some years later, the movie is just as invocative, just as powerful, just as raw as the, the first day you heard the rumor about it. The first day that you saw it, and if you've never seen the movie, I will say there is maybe a precedent for it. Some people would word it and would tell you that August Underground is something that you hunt down and see when you've seen everything else, and I don't think that's true, but I don't think for the same audience that sits down and really likes Halloween 5, this movie might not be for you. It, it, it does nothing but stir emotion, and it could potentially be harmful for you, but that sort of is the enticing, exciting thing about this. This movie could be dangerous. Film should be dangerous. Film should make you question the reality that you're living in. Film is the only genre, it's the only thing, it's the only entity on this world where you are asked to leave your comfort zone, to leave your reality. You sit down, you go to a movie theater, and you're being asked to live in this fantastical world of whatever the fuck you're watching. Let's just say it's The Wizard of Oz. You're supposed to believe that you're going to be transported from Kansas to this world, and there's wizards and tin men and cowardly lions and flying monkeys. And for that brief time period, you fucking believe in it. You believe in the reality that has been presented to you. And that itself is dangerous because you have this false sense of hope that you can live in these film worlds. But August Underground brings it home to the table because it is your world, it is real. That's what is dangerous about the idea of this film because there's no idea outside of the real, regular world. And god damn, isn't that fucking scary? 
August Underground. I would say it's a masterpiece. It is eternal. It is immortal. As we all will one day, Fred Vogel will die. But this film will outlive him. And I think it will outlive the idea of it's a found footage movie. It's so much more than that. Is August Underground a movie? Well, by all technical standpoints, yes. But I think it's more of a force than anything else. A force of transgressive cinema. It's punk rock. It's a statement. And most importantly, it can never be changed. It can never be taken away. No one can, can go to Fred and say, well, you blah, 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 you didn't do this, you didn't do that. All of these things and more he did. And he set a precedence for so many people. He is so copied just constantly. And, and big budget movies. I was just recently watching the Unfriended series. And there's so much, ah, that's just some knockoff Fred Vogel shit I said to myself while watching it. And you see it. You see that this influence has been used by the mainstream, but no one will ever take their hand off their mouth and go, well, I was influenced by August Underground. But I am willing to tell you, all of your favorite artists have seen August Underground. Ari fucking Aster has seen August Underground. And that's a statement itself. So I don't think there is a question of where I stand. I wanted to try and do this from the middle of the road, but... I do have a stance. I do have a side. I think it is a mesmerizing motion picture, and I think the chaos and the utter disgust that is invoked through seeing this movie is quite beautiful, and, and it's beyond a hat off to Fred Vogel. It's a masterpiece. It's a genius work of directing. The articulation to create something like this is just beyond me. I mean, it is as intricate and beautiful as, as something like the Sistine Chapel, this massive painting that's connected on the top of this huge holy place, took months and months and months from one of the greatest artists of, of the world-known history to ever do. But August Underground is the Sistine Chapel of found footage movies. You can have Blair Witch all you want. Same fucking time period. One did much more to change. Than the other. The Blair Witch Project will live in infamy forever, and for what it's worth, I like that movie. But at the end of the day, it's just a movie. August Underground will always haunt you when you've seen it. August Underground will always lay in the back of your mind, no matter how much you know the people that made the movie aren't real killers. What you see stains you. You have something like the Poughkeepsie Tapes, a movie that is inherently cruel, and we see this vision through the tapes of the serial killer, and no offense to that film, it's like it missed the entire point. It's like it, it missed every single moment of what made and captured the fear in August Underground, because it's not what they do. It's not what they do for fun. It's not the case of the story. It's those brash moments, just like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, that you see on screen that was for their entertainment, this reflection in the mind's eye of hate and violence. It's art, baby. Before we get out of here, I would like to talk about the Blu-ray release of this movie. 
August Underground beforehand has never had a widespread release. It's always been something of lore. Many people have been forced to bootleg their own copies of it. But now, finally, you can own it yourself on high-definition Blu-ray from Unearthed Films, a wonderful company headed by Steve Byru, who takes the utmost care in giving you some of the most twisted and obscene films of all time, and much, much more. When it comes to Totag, historically, all their disc releases have been jam-packed with special features, uh, amazing disc releases, multiple commentaries, everything that you could ever want out of a release, and the unearthed Blu-ray of this film is the exact same thing. It is loaded two discs, heavy special features, multiple commentaries, you even have a commentary from The Killer, a commentary with the great Art Ettinger. From storyboard to screen featurettes, it's it's just amazing. Unearthed Films takes an incredible great amount of time and detail into the production of their discs and, and the content that they are putting out. They go to the filmmakers, they make sure that every single thing that that filmmaker, that artist wanted to be seen and wanted to show is available on screen. I highly recommend finding it. Sometimes on episodes like this, we would have a warning that would let you know that you're going to hear about some awful stuff and it could be triggering. But I, I just don't even see a place for it with August Underground. Some people would really tell you that this is what you need to watch to, to push it. You like horror movies, well you need to see something else. I won't say that to you and I would never encourage you to see something that could potentially damage you or cause problems. August Underground is not for the weak of heart, it is not for the faint. It is certainly not for the easily offended, but this piece of art is a crucial statement, not only for the politics and time of the early 2000s, but even now. August Underground is immortal. Fred Vogel has created a piece of art that will outlive its own era. It will outlive its own legacy, and it will be a permanent piece of horror that is handed down from generation to generation, just like movies like The Beyond, Cannibal Holocaust, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and even Snuff by the Finlays. Anthropophagus. It is the stuff of legends. And I've, I've really wanted to talk about this movie on Death by DVD for years, and it, it's funny, you know, I, I, I there's so much more I want to say. I don't know if I, I formidably got out all my statements and, and everything I wanted to say about this movie, but I think enough is present. I think I got enough on tape that I'll be happy with it. Unearthedfilms.com. Find yourself a copy of August Underground. August Underground's Mortem and coming soon, August Underground Penance. You can also go to totag.biz and you can get a copy of August Underground signed by Fred Vogel and a poster signed by Fred Vogel. I don't know if the original movie is still offered, but as of now, October 2023, the recording of this episode, Mortem, just went up for sale. December, you've got Penance. And that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. I'd like to stick around and talk more about Fred Vogel and some of his other work, but I, I want this to reel in your head. Let's not get off subject. August Underground is such a thing of, of, of lore. And it's so exciting for me to talk about it that I, I just, 
have so much I want to say, but I find myself coming back to the same statement over and over and over again, and it is the emotion that is present within this film and the structure of this film. And from the very first scene to the last, if you think this is just some chaotic jumble of footage shoved together, I implore you, please take another look at what you're watching. I just struggle to even come up with names of, of, of famous directors, uh, Martin Scorsese, you know, famous directors that have been able to accomplish what Fred accomplished with this singular first film. And so much of it just comes down to the structure and how this movie was shot. I cannot tip my hat and say enough about Fred Vogel and the ever-mysterious Alan Peters. Gentlemen, you guys made a perfect piece of art. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Death by DVD. You know, you can support this show and the future of it. Just head to www.patreon.com slash deathbydvd where you can find audio and video episodes never heard before, behind-the-scenes episodes. Who knows? Maybe I'll even jump over there and talk a little bit more about August Underground. All on Patreon. That's it. The show's over, the ashtray is full, and the bottle is empty. I am Harry Scott Sullivan. Thank you for choosing death. Until next time, pleasant tomorrows. Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. Death by DVD is broadcast from on top of the Blue Crystal Sunshine Mountain in any town USA with transmitters on top of the Empire State Building.